Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews, author interviews and book reviews. How are you doing today? <laughs> Why does this happen? So I was in a shop, was it yesterday or the day before? And the person who runs the shop said to me, oh, you're the book lady. My girlfriend is very into books. What can you recommend? And I just stood there thinking, I've never met this person. I don't know what type of books they want. And I was trying to think through all the books that I've read and loved of late. And I was stood there, you know how when they show a robot on TV that malfunctions and it's just like can't even get words out because they've got too much data running through their their hard drive. That was me. I just said, you can't, you can't spring a question on like that. I need to get my spreadsheets out. I need to think. I need to question the person that's looking for a book, find out what they've read, what they've enjoyed. It was just too much. I couldn't cope. But what I could cope with is lots of thrillers. And I'm calling this episode Thrilling Thrillers. One really isn't a thriller, but it was it thrilled me to read it. So that's why I'm including it. So what are the books that we're featuring today? Well, we've got The Villa by Ruth Kelly. And Ruth is very kindly coming on to talk to us about that book. Then we've got The Truth About the Accident by Nicole Trope. And Nicole's coming on to talk to us about that book as well. Then we've got Broken Light by Joanne Harris, Conviction by Jack Jordan, and The End of Us by Olivia Kiernan. Those are the books. We better get started. So the first one is The Villa by Ruth Kelly. Wait till you hear the blurb about this. Are you ready? Congratulations. You now have exclusive access to The Villa, a reality television show like no other. The full VIP treatment awaits you this summer, streaming 24 hours a day. A chance to watch sunkid strangers compete on a top secret island as the stakes keep getting higher and you're in total control. Their chance to win it all, love, money, fame and nothing will stop them in their pursuit of the top prize. How far will they go? Well, if you like books about reality and if you don't like books about reality, I think either you would enjoy this book set on a sort of sunshine island with lots going on. Yeah, 
very, very good. Let's go and talk to Ruth about this book. Well, it is my huge pleasure to welcome to the podcast for the first time, Ruth Kelly, whose latest fabulous book is The Villa. Ruth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. And thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Well, very excited to talk to you. Let's start with a bit of a reading, if you don't mind. Could you read us the first few sentences from the prologue of your glorious book? Prologue is called The Producer. Broken glass crunches beneath my trainers as we move towards the pool. The sun is setting over the villa, the golden light that once bathed in glory now a dull, tarnished amber. Detective Inspector Jose Carlos Sanchez lifts the blue and white police cordon and bows underneath. He raises it for me and I notice the forensic gloves he's wearing, milky white, signposting me to what lies ahead. He stops and makes a visual sweep of the area. Very, very good. So can you give us a bit of a summary of what this book is about? It's about a reality game show on a private island off the mainland of Spain where nobody really knows its location with a bunch of contestants that are fighting for a cash prize and they don't really know what's in store or who's really pulling the strings as the show develops. And the main character is a journalist called Laura, and she's going in because she's been pushed in by her boss at the paper. She doesn't really want to do it. She discovers that the game is not what she thought it was, and there's things planned for her that spiral out of control. And the whole show is about who is really in control. There is that question at the end. That's what I wanted the talking point to be. That's super. What inspired you to write this book? Was it a post-lockdown, I need to get free reaction? The idea came to me in 2019. I'd been doing ghostwriting for a long time and I had this book in my head because I I was a journalist. I'd worked on reality TV shows myself. I'm an avid watcher of reality TV shows. I worked with the, the original Big Brother makers, Endemol, on a reality show a long time before in 2008, but I had a taste of what it was like to be part of a show like that. And the different things that the contestants, well, I wouldn't say manipulate but how to get the most out of a contestant when they enter a show like that. That idea was partly in my mind. Then I have my journalist eye that's always looking at stories. I was an avid fan of shows like Love Island, but I was seeing around 2019, there was a, a turn in the way people were looking at this kind of show because things things were developing that weren't so so good. The darker side of reality TV was coming out. And I suppose that was really what triggered this idea because of my new sense combined with what I've experienced. And I wanted to write a thriller that was engaging, but also had talking points. And I thought this was the perfect way to combine the two. I wanted the reader to stop reading the book and actually question perhaps even their role if they watched reality TV. It was a, an entertaining book, but mixed up with also, you know, a, a darker side to it, which I think, I think I've done and, and judging by the reviews... I, that is coming across, which is good, which is always what I wanted. Yes, I think it's really thought-provoking. Okay, let's talk about the location, because I was interested in where you chose, because you've got, you could go anywhere in the world, and yet you chose this very interesting place off Spain. What, why was there a particular reason for that? I think I was inspired by the Love Island setting of Spain. That probably did 
did influence my choice because you watch it on the show and you think, well, that that really works. But I wanted it to be a make-believe island. I did do research on islands. I, I did a lot of research on private islands of Spain and there was two for sale at the time that I was writing the book, but neither had a particularly sexy name. It wasn't going to work. I didn't even know if I was legally allowed to put the private island name as the island. (laughs) For me, it's better to make something up from scratch because then I don't have to stick to what it really is like as a reader picking up on me any inaccuracies in what I've described. I have had experiences of private islands. I know that sounds quite glamorous, but when I was growing up, my father worked in international development. When I was six years old, he uprooted our family from England and we took off to Papua New Guinea. And we lived out in basically a really jungle-like environment from a very young age. And through his connections at work and the people he met out there, we ended up going fairly regularly to this private island of Papua New Guinea. It was maybe a 40-minute boat ride away, and it was a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And it was this rocky island in the middle of the sea, and we would turn up and we would go for the day. And it was probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life to this day. And, and it was an absolutely incredible experience that I had. I know I'm. it sounds massively privileged, and I... Oh, you know, it's it's incredible. So that's, I think, that experience of going out to this island, how it was so isolated. It was so beautiful. But at, at the same time, I wouldn't have wanted to spend the night there because it, it was also, you know, <laughs> somewhere you wouldn't want to be trapped. And I that probably did influence me a bit. That And I think that idea of islands where you have the beauty on the surface, you have the white sands, you have the coves, you have the perfect getaway, but what really lies underneath? And that's probably why I chose an island as well, because you have great scope to create this creepiness that can move in as a darkness moves in, throw in a bunch of people and a, and a small group of people and they can't get off this island, all the ingredients of a thriller. So I think that was a massive draw. That's fair enough. Did you always know how the story would end when you started writing it? Sort of. I'm a planner, a real planner, because when I work in non-fiction and I do ghosting books, I interview people for about around two weeks on end and I I capture all the material on my digital recorder and then I download the material and I listen to it again and I plan exactly how this book is going to be structured. So I think my experience of that has made me someone who who enjoys planning and feels that if I don't plan, things start to get out of control. I've tried writing fiction when I haven't planned and it's gone downhill around 30,000 words and it's just an absolute nightmare. So I've, I've learned from my mistake. So I did sort of know, I suppose not completely. I like to have a little bit of room to be creative, otherwise it just the words just sound a bit rigid if I know everything. And there was something in the ending that I didn't plan, but I guess I can't say because it's just going to give it away, isn't it? It's a very pacey book. You kept the pace going. I wanted to keep reading to find out what happened next. Did that come naturally as you were writing it? Or when you edited it, did you go back and dial the pace up? Both. I wanted it to mimic the speed at which these shows go and how everything can quickly get out of control and almost like you're watching a car crash unfold before your eyes, but you can't tear your eyes away. I wanted to have that effect while people read it. I wanted wanted so that people would just feel breathless, stop at a chapter and want to carry on to the next chapter. That was 100% my aim when I started out. So in terms of the editing, 
a lot of words were shaved off. It was the first time I really experienced editing and how you can really improve your book. At first, I didn't want to do it. But then when I when I was shown how you can eliminate words and actually really improve the speed, it was an eye opener. And I, and I found that selecting words to take out was harder than removing an entire sentence. So I would often just remove the entire sentence. And then I would look at the paragraph again and think, that's not change the meaning of the paragraph in the slightest. In fact, I'm probably doubling down on words a lot of the time, often repeating it. It was one of the most fun experiences of of improving the book editing. I, I didn't want to do it, but then when I did it, I learned a lot and realized it's one of the, the game changers of improving the copy. Oh, that's great. There's reality TV, there's thrills and spills. I mean, it's just got all the elements that people want to read about. <laughs> I hope so. I hope they're not going to be too shocked. Well, Ruth, we come to the final question for today. And this is a question that we ask every author. So prepare yourself. <laughs> and the question is, it's a very important one. The question is, what biscuit was powering the writing of your book? What biscuit powered the villa? Oh, am I allowed to be a bit deviant and say that I don't have biscuits, but I live off sour sweets? Oh, yeah. No, actually, you can. So sour sweets, what's like your Haribos or something? or Yeah, the tangled plastic ones. Anything that just burns your mouth, I'm obsessed with. I can't eat those. They're not. I try them and they're not pleasure for me. They're just like all my senses are kicking off. So I admire. Did that help you write the book then? If I'm if I need to charge through something, yeah. So I'm pretty much bouncing around the room. <laughs> Fantastic. After that. So yeah, the villa powered by tank plastics <laughs> couldn't couldn't be better. Well, Ruth Kelly, whose book is the villa. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really wonderful to talk to you. Well, thank you for inviting me on. It's been lovely. <laughs> coming up, one more author interview and more book reviews. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. So the next book I want to talk to you about is The Truth About the Accident by Nicole Trope. Wow, what a book. Let me read you the blurb on this one. I gaze at my husband's once handsome face, so still and pale in the hospital bed. The doctors say I should keep talking. He might be able to hear me, even after the terrible accident that left him fighting for his life. But all I have to whisper to my husband is this. I know what you did. Every day I wave my husband Damon off with a kiss and a smile, drive our precious children to school and make sure our house is pristine before preparing a delicious meal. I pretend I'm not filled with fury that he once nearly destroyed our perfect life. It's important to carry on as normal. That is, until the accident. My husband was hit by a car. It was pouring with rain. Nobody saw what happened. But the police are asking questions. Do they know about the terrible argument we had that day? Do they know about the text message I sent, telling someone to delete everything? And do they know that no one is happier that my husband is in a hospital bed than me. Very, very good. Well, let's go and talk to Nicole about this incredible book now. Well, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast today Nicole Trope, whose latest fabulous book is called The Truth About the Accident. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hi. Well, we're recording quite late at night for your time and uh, not very late for, for my time. Where, whereabouts are you based? I'm based in Sydney, Australia. So it is just past nine o'clock at night. The dedication to the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, let's start by you reading us a little bit about the beginning of this book. Okay. The first time I saw him, I finally felt the fluttering of butterflies inside me that romance novels talk about. I had never felt that before. Truthfully, I didn't believe it existed. Beautiful women flower everywhere, but a beautiful man is a rare find. Lots of men are good looking. Few are truly beautiful, but he is. He is a Greek god made flesh. Someone who could have been carved from marble. Narcissus come to life. From his large hands with neat fingernails to his broad shoulders under a tight black shirt. And his eyes green jewels in his face. I wanted to giggle when I looked at him. That was the only reaction I could muster as I bit my lip and walked past him with a nod of my head. It's a lovely day, isn't it, he said, his voice a low rumble that proclaimed the perfect maleness of its owner. The sun was shining, although it was the middle of the winter and there was an icy chill in the air, so I agreed with him, stifling my giggle when he smiled. There was nothing about him that wasn't perfection, and so what happened between us was inevitable, really. And I suppose when the truth of who he was came out, what happened then was inevitable as well. I've never felt such instant attraction or love for a man. I wanted him to be mine, all mine, all the time. I still want him to be mine, and I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to take back 
passport was taken. Oh, my goodness. That's brilliant. Nicole, you a great book and a great reading. That You had me completely entranced with that. Oh, thank you. Super. Well, let's start with the first basic obvious question. Can you give us a summary of this book? So this book is about an accident that happens in the pouring rain. It starts with um, three different sets of people calling into emergency services. Each of them have a vague idea that someone got hit and they wanted to report it, but because of the rain, they're not entirely sure how it happened, when it happened, but they, they think it happened. And they all have a different idea of who possibly hit a person who was crossing the road. He ran across the road in the middle of the um, intersection in a rainstorm. And there's a lot of confusion about what actually happened. Then we're introduced to three separate women, Marla, who is the wife, Sonia, who is the therapist, and Athena, who is the mistress. And we find that out within the first three chapters. And we find out that all three of them are wondering exactly where this man is and why he is not home, why he has not met them, why he hasn't come to his appointment. And we go from there. Wonderful. What inspired you to write this book? I mean, hopefully it wasn't something that happened to you. I know. <laughs> not to me. You know, I think it was in the last three years in Sydney, we've had exceptionally a large amount of rain. And so there's been a lot of sitting on roads with rain bucketing down where you can barely see in front of you. And I remember having the thought, what if someone ran across? Would you even know who hit that person? If Because we're on, you know, on like a four-lane road. Would you even know what had happened? And then, I, so of course, from there, I went, I, I saw the character running across the road. And then I thought, why? What's he doing there? Why is he running across the road? And you know, who cares whether he comes home or not? And that's where it came from. It, it, it's it's weird that sort of out of nothing, the story emerged. Well, a wonderful way to get the idea for, for the story. I'd, I'd hate to be driving around with you because you'll be looking for ideas for stories. And I try to concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> with a notepad as well, driving and writing. No, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> How much of the story did you know when you started writing it? It's an interesting question. I, you know, I think I assumed it was going one way until one of the characters interfered in a very different way. And I've, I've found that lately with my writing that what's, what happens is I, I think this is how it's going to happen, this is how it's going to end. So I can almost I can send a synopsis off to my editor and then when it comes to actually putting something down on paper, something else takes over and I'll sometimes find myself going, I have to write the end in order to know where the story is going because it's going in a totally different direction. So another ending will appear, I'll write the end, and then I'll go back and work out how I got to that end. I think I have the idea, but I'm never entirely sure. Gosh, that's a really interesting way to go about it. Was it easier to write than some of your other books or just as painful? I think what I'm finding lately is that I start with the blank page. It's the worst part of writing is that blank page in the first 10,000 words because it feels like you have nothing. I used to write in a very linear fashion and say to myself, you have to do chapter one, chapter two, you have to establish who everybody is. You have to, and, and then I thought, well, does it matter if I just write the scenes that are the most intense in my head? And so what I did was I, I wrote the most intense scenes, the accident, the, 
the wife at the bedside, you know, the hospital scene, like just to, to go, okay, these are the most intense scenes. And then I wrote the ending and this is what happens here because it was the most vibrant scene in my mind. And once I have those down, it's a lot easier to write. But I think if, if I'm trying to hold back on those and do it in a linear fashion, it's very hard. So are you visualising all that's happening as you are writing it? Are you a very visual writer? Yes. Yes, I'm a very visual writer, very visual. And I have to, I, one of the things I had to learn as a writer was because I can see the scene in my head and so I'll write it and then I'll go back and read it and go, I, I haven't presented you the picture because it's in my head. So I have to go back and go, slow it down. Now tell me what you can actually see. Like I can see the the vase on the table with the yellow flowers, but I haven't mentioned it because I, I kind of think, well, you can see it too. But you can't, so I have to tell you about the vase. It is, it's a very visual experience for me. And are you the sort of writer that when you finish the book, the characters stay in your head chatting away? Or when you finish, type the end, do the do the characters just disappear? Certain books, um, uh, like my novel, The Family Across the Street, the, the, the characters of Logan and Debbie, I kind of, every now and again, I'll think about them and imagine them in a situation where where I, I want them to be. And, you know, the boy in the photo, Daniel, I imagine how he would be grown up. So that with every book, I form a relationship with the characters. And this book in particular, Marla, the wife, I, I know that sometimes readers go, well, I don't understand why she's with him. He's not that nice. And I, I know that I understand sometimes you make decisions and you, you keep yourself in a situation for a reason. I think about her quite often still as, as one of the characters. I mean, I, the, the other women as well I think about, but Marla, I don't know, I particularly felt a, a kinship with her in, in that you make decisions as you get older for a reason. So that they do, I do think about them. They don't keep talking, but I do think about them and kind of wish them well. And I always think I will never love characters the way I love this group of characters and then I start the next book and I went I go oh okay now I can <laughs> you've written a lot of books and they you have some incredible reviews for them I'm trying at the moment to talk much more about ebook opportunities as well because there's so many ebooks out there and yours are obviously heavily available as, as ebooks is that something important to you as a writer when I published my first novel ebooks were in 2012 ebooks were just starting and my the publisher I was working with was not Bookature it was a different publisher and they had no idea how to do anything to do with ebooks like they just it, I think it was it took everybody by surprise and I remember about six months after it was published you know you google just to see if there's anything you need to respond to or anything you need to and I found a Reddit thread where people were going, how come we can't get this as an ebook in New Zealand? And it was only available in Australia and New Zealand. So I was just horrified that it wasn't available as an ebook in New Zealand because it was. I think it was, for my publisher, it was one of the first ebooks that took off for them. And so I've always been a great big fan of ebooks. And of course, now I'm with Bookature, who are the leaders in this kind of thing. So, I mean, they, you know, nobody comes close to them. In, in marketing and, and producing ebooks. So although you can still get a printed book of yours, if that's what a reader particularly wants, yeah. the ebooks are a very 
important part yeah. of your writing. And as you say, Bookature are known for being incredible in the ebook space. Yeah. And and I know, I know for myself, I always thought I'm never going to not read physical copies. I'm never going to not read physical copies. And then I think COVID came and the libraries closed and the bookshops, everything closed. And I started downloading on my Kindle and on and through the library. And I've just, I will, like, I'll never go back. I can't believe the luxury of being able to sort of tap a word and find its yeah. meaning is it's incredible when you think about it and you know the text you resize the text you bookmark it's just it's quite incredible when you think about it what you're able to do so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of ebooks and certainly in the UK under Kindle Unlimited you can get some of your books as well so people can very easily access a number of Nicole Tropes brilliant books absolutely and and so so kindle unlimited allows you to I, I know there's a subscription fee but you can read as much as you want i think it's a wonderful way to to introduce yourself to new authors so it feels like a library it's basically a library on amazon which is great and because printed books the cost is so high now you know some hardbacks are 20 25 there was one for 27 pounds it's a it's a lot of money. That is a lot of money when you can, I mean, especially when you convert it to Australian dollars. I mean, that's ridiculous. It, and, and it's sort of, and you think there's a reason why people don't buy it. So the way ebooks are, it's, it gives you a chance to, I think that readership in itself has grown enormously with the advent of ebooks. It's easy, it's, it's cheap, and, you know, you don't have to question, do I buy this, do I not? Like, it's just, well, of course, it's easy to have this. And, yeah, I think it's wonderful. There's, like, readers that I sort of never imagined who are now reading, which is, which I mean, reading is the key, isn't it? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what this podcast is all about, not judging anybody for what they read, just loving the, the ability to escape <laughs> from what's going on in life and jump into a book and be transported somewhere and read a book like yours, like The Truth About the Accident, which just grips you and keeps you reading. Oh, absolutely. There is nothing I love more than reading. So there's just nothing that comes close and it, whatever's going on in your life. And I find that I, when I get messages from readers, the people, some people who are really struggling, they're struggling with their lives and they're struggling with their days. And this reading is a respite. And for me, it's been the same thing my whole life. Whenever things get really tough, a book is where I'm happy to be. And we're happy to be reading your book. Well, we come to the final question, Nicole, which is one we ask all authors. So prepare yourself for this one. And the question is, what biscuit was powering the writing of the truth about the accident? What was your biscuit of choice? Okay, so <laughs> I am I'm, I'm gluten free. Okay. <laughs> so, and whilst I can get lots of biscuits gluten free, I have chosen the more that appear, the more I step away from them because I think, but given the opportunity, it's an Arnott's mint slice. So it's Biscuit, a layer of mint cream covered in chocolate. And I can eat an entire packet of those without a second thought. <laughs> can you get those gluten-free as well? Are you able? You can. There you you can. And the first time I saw them, I was like, wow. And then I brought them home and ate the whole packet and thought, no, this is not <laughs> yeah. a good idea. I have to write to them, please could you withdraw this gluten-free product? Yes, but they are they are as fabulous as ever, and yeah, I can 
I promise you that that's my favorite biscuit in the world. <laughs> well, it's just been wonderful to talk to you and hear more about the truth about the accident. Nicole Trope, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Very good. Now let's get on to the next book, which is Broken Light by Joanne Harris. I think Joanne is super. I really do. I think she's great. And I've enjoyed her books previously. This one, I've been like, oh, should I get it? Shouldn't I? Not sure. Went to the Hay Festival, heard jo- Joanne speak and thought, yes, I need to get this book. And not only did I get it at the Hay Festival, I read it at the Hay Festival. I was the person that was walking from Hay and Y, the town, to the Hay Festival and back every day, walking while reading this book because I just wanted to know what happened. This is the one that isn't really a thriller, but I wanted to tell you about it today. So I have been a bit silly and, and I'm calling it a thriller just so I can fit it in the thrilling thrillers episode. Let me read you the blurb on this one. Bernie Moon has given her life to other people, her husband, her son, her friends, who are these days mostly online. At 19, she was full of dreams and ambitions. Now almost 50 and going through the menopause, she's fading fast. Heartbroken and hormonal, she often feels like she's losing her mind. But when a young woman is murdered in a local park, it sparks a series of childhood memories in Bernie and with them a talent that has lain dormant most of her adult life. She promised herself she'd never think of it again. When she was a teenager, it almost destroyed her. But now she's older, could it be the power she's been missing? Could it be the chance to finally make them look? Oh, this book. Right, let's do the intro. Chapter one. The first seven years of my life are a blank. I don't remember a thing before that. Most children remember something of their early years, but not me. No favourite toy, no lullaby, not even a fall down a flight of stairs. My memories start at 6.30 on September 12th, 1981, and I remember what happened then with cut glass crystal clarity. I love this book so much. It was just what I needed to read. Yes, it's about the rage of the menopause, but it's there's so much more in it. There's sort of, what is there, sort of magic in it? There's, it's, it's about power in all sorts of ways. And it's a book of our time and it's extraordinary. I thoroughly recommend Broken Light, Joanne Harris. Just excellent. It's the sort of book I wish I hadn't read so I could enjoy reading it again for the first time. Do you know what I mean? Very, very good. Anyway, let's get on to Conviction by Jack Jordan. And let me read you the blurb of this one. Wade Darling stands accused of killing his wife and teenage children as they slept and burning their house to the ground. When the case lands on Barrister Neves Harper's desk, she knows it could make her career. A matter of days before the case, as Neve is travelling home for the night, she's approached by a man. He tells her she must throw the case or the secret about her husband's disappearance will be revealed. Failing that, he will kill everyone she cares about until she does as she is told. Neve must make a choice, go against every principle she has ever had or the people she loves will die. Right, let's do first sentence of this one. Are you sitting comfortably? Five days until the trial. The thought of a murdered family should make me feel repulsed, enraged even. And yet I feel the same giddiness one might feel before a first date. The vervent flap of butterfly wings in my gut. I sit before the brief for Wade Darling's case, the blood-red ribbon unspooled on the surface of my desk, eyeing the loose pages, well-thumbed from when they belonged to Adrian Whitaker QC. 
I think of him leaping from the Northern Line platform before the oncoming tube train and wince. A brilliant legal mind gone. I met him once and never would have dreamed he would be the type. But then who is until pushed to their limits? So obviously all sorts of triggers in the book, as, a, as in all of these thrillers. But wow, if you fancy something that's a bit different, you enjoyed Jack's first book, Do No Harm, you like the law side and the thrilling elements, then I think you would enjoy it. So that is Conviction by Jack Jordan. And then we come to the final book. I'm dropping everything, but here we are. The End of Us by Olivia Kiernan. Here's the blurb. Miles and Lana Butler live on a gorgeous new development in Wimbledon, leaning on a mortgage that is just within reach. When one of Miles' investments fails, they're bound to lose everything. Gabriel and Holly Wright have just moved in next door. The Wrights are sophisticated, ambitious and apparently very wealthy. At an after-dinner drink with their new neighbours, Miles and Lana share their worries and a solution is suggested between the couples. Life insurance fraud. For a cut of the payout, the rights would help them. No one thought they were being serious. No one agreed they'd actually go through with it. And no one mentioned it would involve murder. Then one night, Lana doesn't come home. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Prologue, here we go. I don't know if it all started with the murder. I say that because surely there is a run-up to killing someone. Events that proceed, culminate... So before then, I think, that night after dinner, the night the rights made us the offer, we were desperate. And although we could hardly take them seriously, I had the sense they were throwing us a lifeline, but of a preposterous sort, where just as your head is slipping beneath the water, instead of a helping hand to pull you free, someone throws you a cruise liner. And it's as good as it sounds, and doesn't it sound great? Superbly written and plotted, Olivia bravo very good those are your books those are your five books so let's just have a recap we had the villa by ruth kelly we had the truth about the accident by nicole trope we had broken light by joanne harris we had conviction by jack jordan and the end of us by olivia kiernan if you don't like thrillers i apologize for this episode but don't worry on friday you'll have some other books the short episode and next monday you'll have even more to listen to. So there are always books to choose from, but hopefully some of those have really stood out to you. And I just continue to explore the sort of ebook authors as well, because I think that's a really important one and one I've overlooked in the past. Anyway, she's waffling, as always. I'm going to go to think again about what books I should recommend to this person. I think they're going to regret asking me because I am going to provide them with a list of quite possibly 50 different books. I did just want to say, well, if you listen to the podcast, you'll get some recommendations. I just thought that sounded so full of myself, but I think that might be the easiest solution. But no, I'm going to go and prepare a list and that might take me the rest of the day, but off I go. Anyway, I'll leave you to it. I hope you're doing okay. I'm thinking of you and hoping all is well and just look after yourselves. And I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, 
People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.